On today's episode of Living Easy with Lindsay, my friend Ainsley Britton spills the tea on navigating breakups, setting dating standards, dealing with unhealthy dating relationships, and figuring out red flags before you get yourself into trouble. She shares honestly and vulnerably about finding her identity in Jesus after heartbreak and how faith impacted her healing after that breakup. Ainsley encourages women to create a smart dating strategy to communicate their expectations and to keep their circle tight and filled with accountability. She dives into handling friends stuck in bad relationships, sharing practical tips with a bit of tough love. I'm so excited for you to hear from her. Her Southern charm is so contagious and she is just such a wise, sweet woman. Let's jump into today's conversation. At the end of our days, we want to be proud of how we spent that day. At the end of our lives, we want to be equally proud of the decisions that we've made. To do this, we need to face the hard. We need to talk it out. We need to lean into community, relatability, and understanding. We need to hear how other people got it together, how they overcame the shame, hurt, toxicity, and past trauma, and chose to move forward. But nobody talks about the hard stuff enough. Life is tough and confusing, and yet we try to glide over the struggles like the glaze on a donut and expect to come out unscathed on the other side. We don't deal with the hard. We just keep moving forward, distracting ourselves with scrolling, Netflix binges, and a busy, busy life. But none of us want to feel like we're drowning or settling in the one life that we've been given. And that's where this show comes in. I long to be a piece of the puzzle that not only extends a hand, but comes alongside of you to live well and to live with joy. On the Living Easy podcast, I dig deep and talk about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing. We talk about the nitty gritty of marriage from living like roommates to the confusion of sex and intimacy. We talk about the reality of losing friendships and the art of making new ones as an adult because let's be honest, it is not always easy. And we explore essential life principles like real forgiveness, making perfect memories in imperfect homes, and how to deepen your relationship with God in a way that genuinely changes how you live and how you love. God has used the Living Easy podcast to touch hearts in nearly every country in this world. I started this journey with just a computer on my lap as a nursing mom. And since that point, I've had the incredible privilege of connecting with millions of people worldwide through my platforms and through my online courses, such as The Wife Project, From Roommates to Soulmates. At the heart of it all, it is people who make my world go round. Relationships matter, and how you feel about your life at the end of your life is of great importance. And that is why I pour my heart into connecting with you. People are everything to me, and I share my own stories of my mess, the hardships, and my big mistakes on this podcast, paired with all of the wisdom and the lessons that I have learned along the way to bring you freedom. So let's be friends, click subscribe, grab your favorite warm beverage, and get cozy. I'm Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. This is Lindsay Maestas, and I am super excited for our guest today. This is Ainsley Britton. Hey, Ainsley. Hey, how are you? Good. I'm I'm so honored to have you. I was recently able to be on Ainsley's podcast and chit-chat about mm-hmm. all kinds of marriage things, and I just felt like mm-hmm. she was somebody who I connected with instantly, and so I wanted her on the show and for you all to hear her heart because she is just a gem. So thank you for being here. I'm so honored, and 
hearing your voice, like it's just so calming today. I'm oh, like, yes, talk to me you. always. <laughs> thank you. Well, it's because I'm sick and getting over a cold. So I already told her, but y'all, if I'm coughing and hacking into the <laughs> microphone, that is why. Um, but yeah, I wanted to just pick your brain a little bit and hear your thoughts because mm-hmm. I feel that you have such a genuine spirit and you are somebody who truly desires to see others grow and to see others choose Jesus and to live a life worthy of his calling. And so I want to talk to you because your book is the coolest title, Don't Date a Boo-Boo Dude. And you talk (laughs) about dating and not settling. And I have a large audience of married women, but I also have a good Mm size audience of single girls or engaged girls. And so I don't feel like I talk to them enough and I want to Mm -hmm. talk to them more. So I want to hear from you kind of a little bit of your story as to why you wrote this book and what compelled you to do so and how has it impacted your life? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that question. I feel like I just don't get to talk about this book enough. And every time I talk about it, I'm, I fall in love with it all over again. Mm-hmm. Not that it's, you know, something that I, not just that it's something that I wrote, but it reminds me of how the Lord truly transformed my life and my identity. So anytime I get to talk about it, I'm like, oh, like this is my little book baby. Yeah. But it is called Don't Date a Boo Boo Dude, Raise Your Standards, Realize Your Worth, and Remove Shame from the Dating Game. Mm-hmm. And actually, I'm so glad that you said that point about having, you know, some a lot of married audience, because they also need to read this for their single friends. You know, and honestly, I have a married friend who's going through stuff that is in this book identity wise, because it's really an identity book disguised as a dating book. We certainly talk about some dating stuff, but it's really, really how I found my identity in Christ whenever I absolutely, totally lost it by putting my worth in the hands of the unworthy, Mm -hmm. which landed me in an abusive relationship that I didn't know was abusive. You know, I honestly did not realize it was abusive until three years after I was out of it. And I was dating my now husband during that time. Whenever I realized, wait a second, that was abusive. There are so many things that happened between the end of that relationship and, you know, now I'm married and I've been with my husband for almost 10 years, mm-hmm. but I ended up just letting this guy just determine my worth. I let him tell me who I was and who I wasn't and what I deserved. And I don't think that my friends and family had Well, my family didn't know enough, but my friends who are in it, they just did not have the tools to help me get out of that place. And I really lowered my standards. I put my worth in the hands of the unworthy and I just lost myself in shame Mm -hmm. because he was saying all these things that weren't true about me, but I was taking them on as a part of my identity. So once that ended, um, he actually broke up with me, which... I think people are surprised by, but I'm like, I'm not surprised because I was in a manipulative place. Mm -hmm. Like I was manipulated. I was in a straight up abusive relationship. I was never going to leave. Um, But he broke up with me. Thank you, Lord. And from that moment on, I, it was the breakup that broke me. Right. Mm -hmm. But it forced me to renew my identity. And that was when I had a choice to make. Am I going to 
put my identity in Christ or am I going to go the total opposite way and abandon my faith? And thankfully, I was like so at rock bottom that I leaned on the faith of my mom and my grandmother and I said, okay, maybe there's something to this. Mm -hmm. And I just raced to the church and I just rediscovered my identity and walked out of that shame and into this wild confidence that never was taken away from me again. And that's the the confidence that I walk in today. Thank you, God. your podcast (laughs) name. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. 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 But all goes together. Wild Confidence is my podcast. Um, but yeah, I that's kind that. of a short, short story. <laughs> Do you mind if I ask Ainsley how you, yeah, how you navigated the difficulty within the relationship and why you felt now that you can look back? Why do you feel mm-hmm. like you stayed? Like you mentioned, I wouldn't, I never would have left. What was that? You speak yeah. of your identity, but can you go a little bit deeper into mm-hmm. what the lies you were believing were and why you felt mm-hmm. so stuck with this person? So one of the things that he would say to me is that no one will love you like I love you. And then he would also reverse it. Like, no one will love me like you love me. Mm. And I think that was so sticky for me was like, oh, you think so highly of my love. And honestly, it spoke to my pride. Mm -hmm. Like it made me, I, I think it was pride that kept me there because I was like, oh, my love is what's keeping you alive. Because he would say, you know, manipulative things like if you weren't here, I would make it and, you know, all those manipulative phrases. And then one of the things that I think that he not only told me, but the enemy also told me was that I wouldn't be loved if someone didn't know me from the start. Like I had known um, this person for almost my whole life. So Mm -hmm. If they didn't, if I didn't grow up with someone and they knew my full story, then they would never love me. And Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure where that lie came from other than just straight up the enemy and him. But he was like, no, you know, we've known each other forever. You will never find a love that will be as deep whenever we've been through all of this stuff together. And thankfully, that was proven to be a lie. Because I did, I totally met my husband on a blind date. We weren't even friends before we met. Thankfully, the Lord really proved that lie wrong. But those were the things that really stuck to me were these lies that I just, they were rooted, I think, in pride and of, of uh, this desperation of feeling seen and feeling known. Mm-hmm. And that's what kept me there. And so when you went to church after and you were like, okay, because my story is relatively similar where I'm like, okay, God, if you're real, this is the time. And Mm -hmm. probably not the healthiest, Mm -hmm. best way to test God, but I was in such a desperate place after broken relationship, after broken relationship that I – I was so eager to find something that worked. And I've shared in my testimony that I studied Scientology and Buddhism and anything that had anything to do with – self-help or wanting to be better, but I would not Mm -hmm. give Jesus a chance until I got to a place where I was so broken. And I think for me, that was Mm -hmm. out of stubbornness and pride in regards to my family because they always encouraged me and they were believers. But when I finally came to a point in seeing the goodness of God and the instant, in some areas, like the 
absolute instant healing of my heart. I was just catapulted from this life of insecurity into this life of validation. And not that I don't struggle with insecurity now, even in my marriage, there's areas where I do, but the identity, the foundation is so much stronger. And so how was that shift for you when you went to church? Was it a moment of like, okay, God, I see who you are? Or was it like, I'm just desperate and I'm looking for anything? And how did you navigate that new relationship with God after leaving the old one? Yeah, it's so funny that you're saying that you was a, probably an unhealthy way to test God because <laughs> I did something similar where one of my friends was like, I got out of a, this was, I don't even know when this was, but I think in the midst of the breakup, a friend came over and they were like, I got out of this unhealthy relationship and the Lord healed me in three days. And I was like, okay. I'll so try. she had told me that. <laughs> I, yeah. I said, all right, God, you got three days. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> well, guess what? I'm Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I said, God, you got three days. Let's go. That's so funny. (laughs) And then, you know, on day four, I wake up in my bed that I still haven't left. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it doesn't quite work like that for everyone. Yeah, Yeah, but then I... I, But then I really found myself... I actually will never forget this church service because I think that that was whenever it this was really like unlocked for me is I was in the middle of worship and I'm a very visual learner. And I just imagined myself in the throne room Mm -hmm. of grace that I just saw God on the throne and I saw Jesus next to him. And I saw myself in this place. And this is all just visual prayer. All it is, is prayer. And this happened to be during worship. And so I just don't want to people to think that I'm describing this and like they can't have access to it because it's just a visual prayer, but it was incredible. Okay. So I walk in, this is just all in my imagination, but I walk in to the throne room and I'm covered in like this cloak of debris and dust and just grossness. And then there's this halo of like shrapnel around my, uh, above my head. Mm. Okay. And so I'm seeing this and that is what I feel like is shame. And that is what I felt like my identity really felt like was just dirty, used trash, truly. And what I saw in the middle of this worship was the Lord kneeled down right in front of me and he took off this halo and he undid this cloak of shame and that fell to the ground. And he replaced the halo with this gold, shiny halo and was like, no, you're mine Mm. and your identity is in me. Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, I finally understood what the Bible meant when it talks about being a new creation, because I was like, so transformed by that moment. And so like, okay, I know exactly what my grandmother and my mom talk about when they talk about their faith now, like now, prior to that moment, I think you probably could have convinced me Um, that it wasn't all that. But it was that moment that I was like, no one can tell me that God isn't real whenever Mm -hmm. I just, he just physically, like he just met me. I just met him Mm -hmm. in this place. And it was just absolutely incredible. Hmm. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And then from there, I was like, I I don't know what to do. (laughs) I'm going to take it a day at a time. I was just like, okay. Yeah, from there I'm like, okay, all right, Lord. Well, I feel a little bit better than I did when I when I walked in. So, what are we gonna do next? And then I think it was just a daily going back into that throne room, a going back into that church, 
getting and being like, okay, I want you to talk to me. And he's like, okay, open up the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is the truth about your marriage. God did not call you to be a fix him wife. He called you to be a love him wife. I want you to imagine for a moment your home lighting up in flames. Would you wait until the entire house had burnt down before seeking help? No, right? It's more likely that as soon as you saw the spark of that first flame, you would do everything in your power to fight the damage, fix it, learn from it, and to seek help. Now let's apply that same wisdom to your marriage. Divorce statistics do not lie, you guys. 50% of Christian marriages end in divorce. So why wait until your marriage has burned to the ground before taking action? The Wife Project from Roommates to Soulmates is an eight and a half week biblical study that I am so deeply passionate about because I have had the amazing opportunity to watch it change thousands of marriages for the better around the entire world. It offers a lifeline for those seeking to become best friends with their spouse again, to actually like one another again, and to rekindle the affection, intimacy, and closeness that you once experienced. So is this a project for you? Here are a few questions that you can ask yourself. Number one, do you feel like coldness and hard-heartedness have replaced the affection and the excitement in your marriage? Do you find yourself feeling lonely, struggling to communicate your wants and your needs to your spouse, or just never wanting to be together? Number two, are you a woman who is seeking to embrace her role as a godly wife, just learning how to love your husband as God intended? Number three, do you long to deepen your relationship with Jesus, strengthen your own prayer life, trust Him in your sex life, and become a more godly spouse each day? Number four, perhaps you're single, coming from a broken home with a fractured view of marriage, and you yearn to discover what God says about this sacred union of commitment. Or number five, maybe you're recently engaged and you're eager to prepare your heart in the best way for your future husband by fixing your gaze on Jesus. I want you to consider the words of one of the students of The Wife Project who shared, My husband and I had been struggling for a very long time. We love each other, but miscommunication and exhaustion were taking a toll. In just a few days of walking through The Wife Project, I feel a genuine change in our marriage and in the tone of our home. As well as Kelsey's testimony, The Wife Project showed me God's vision for our marriage. I realized that I need to stop trying to get my husband to fill a role that he was never created to fill. Thank you, Lindsay, for giving me the tools I needed to save my marriage. I truly believe you are a gift from God to our family. So if you are ready to change your marriage, there has never been a better time to invest in one of the most important relationships in your life. And it begins with you. We cannot change the person next to us as much as we might want to, but we can start with us. And if we deepen our faith in such a way that it pours out onto our marriage, we will see the fruit of that in our home. This course includes a 65-page workbook with practical applications, conversation starters, date night ideas, memory verses, journaling pages, and so much more to get you started right away on implementing what you're learning. It is time to make a generational change for the sake of your children and for the glory of God. Let them see how you communicate healthfully and change the dynamic of your home for the better. You will learn how to communicate, love, serve, date, and pursue intimacy as Christ intended, and you will never regret it. Click the link in my bio or go to sparrowsandlily.com backslash the-wife-project to get started today. You will have lifetime access and can go at your own pace. Make the choice to transform your marriage and write a new chapter today. Let's get back to today's episode. Oh my gosh, Ainsley, our story, I actually have a story that feels so similar to that. And so it's just, I don't know, it's so nice to talk with somebody who has walked through similarities and especially 
a lot of things that bring so much shame and confusion, even up to now to where I will look back and just think like, oh gosh, Lord, why did I make those decisions or why did I stick around or why? But mine is one where very similarly, I had a moment where I basically just said, God, I can't do this anymore. I was in relationship after relationship after relationship. And I was like, had somebody on speed dial because as soon as something wasn't working, I'm jumping to the next thing. And just I didn't want to be alone. I was so afraid of being alone. And I'm giving away my body to men who don't deserve it because I didn't want them to discard me. And there was just a day where I went to the church and I knew it was a symbol. This isn't because of the ring, but I got a purity ring because for me – in that season of life, it was like all that defined me was how filthy I was and how filthy I felt and Mm -hmm. how I had heard, and I've shared this before, but I heard on the radio that Jessica Simpson decided to become what she called like a secondhand virgin and start over. And I remember my friends, I was so fascinated by the concept. I'm like, wait, what does that mean? I don't understand, but I am so enthralled. And they're like, that's not a thing, you know? And according to the world, it's not a thing. But as I pursued Jesus. And as I put on that ring, it was that moment again, the exact same verse that you quoted that in Christ, your new creation, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And it was like wiping this slate completely clean as I put on that ring. And I sat in my car and I just hysterically cried, like ugly cried and just embracing the the opportunity that my life can start over and that I'm not stuck there. And I had similar Mm -hmm. boyfriends who cheated on me with my best friends. I had boyfriends who hurt Mm -hmm. me physically and I hurt them, not physically, but emotionally really destroyed people because if I felt hurt, I wanted to hurt them 10 times worse. And so I was not fully a victim in all of it. I wanted to wash myself clean Mm -hmm. of everything. And I had tried everything I could to start over, to give myself a new heart, to feel better, to wish it away, manifest it away, you know, and nothing else worked. And then it was this immense shift when I said, okay, Jesus, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving all of it, the mess, everything. And if you are who you say you are, I'm, I'm believing that you're going to let me start fresh. And it was the most beautiful mm-hmm. day of my life. I will never forget it moment by moment, step by step. I just see it still. And it was his promise yeah. that like, I'm going to make you more like me every single day. I just resonate with you. And I love so much that you're sharing this with young girls or even, I mean, women, you know, in toxic relationships, abusive yeah. relationships where it's so unhealthy and they're seeking this joy and this hope and this peace in this person, but they will never satisfy. And so my question now would be, how have those experiences tainted your marriage and how have you worked through those things with your husband and how has he worked through them with you? That is a brilliant question. I think that it's the closer I am to the Lord, the less tainted they are. They can get into my marriage the farther away from the Lord, the more they start to bleed in. Mm. And they are the lies of um, being wanted and uh, being, I guess, um, I'm trying to think of like pursued, right? Like if Mm -hmm. you don't pursue me right now today or in this week in the way that I want to be pursued, even though I'm not vocalizing them, 
if you're not reading my <laughs> yeah. mind, yeah. then I'm not wanted. Mm-hmm. Then you don't want me. And that's probably something that is a, a fallout or an effect from that. But whenever Justin and I first started dating, this was six months after that relationship ended. And let me backtrack a little bit because, you know, I gave the Lord three days, but he actually took two weeks um, for what I felt was like a total healing for me. Wow. And I still feel like that's an insanely short amount of yes, time. Yes, it is. But that was what I feel like I needed to like get back on my feet. And then that healing was tested mm. two weeks after that. So a month to the day, whenever uh, the breakup happened, I ended up on a flight next to this guy. Happenstance. Like, wait, the ex boyfriend? Absolutely insane. Yes. Yes. That's wild. Like, <laughs> literally <laughs> the most insane thing. <laughs> like, when I tell you, I was on the phone with my mom and I dropped the biggest F bomb whenever I saw him at the gate. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it was real. And I, oh, you no. can edit that out if you no, want to. But I just, I was in so much disbelief. That that happened, but I really realized that my healing was being tested. Yeah. Like, are you really? Are, do you has your identity really been put in the hands of God? Because you're about to sit by this person in a tin can for an hour oh, and a half. Gracious. And and I told the guy, I said, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, this is not the circumstance that I wanted to see you again, but I have to thank you mm. because you breaking up with me was the best thing that ever happened to me, mm. and. I meant it when I said it. I did mean it, and I've never seen him since that moment. How did he respond to that? Oh, in some annoying way. He was like, thank you. That really takes a big burden off of my back. Yeah, I'm sure it I'm does. I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> okay. cool. Yeah, I'm sure you were real worried about me. <laughs> and anyway, so he was boo-boo. But, but what that did was it really tested my healing. And then I met Justin, my husband, I guess, five months later. And oh, I did notice that I kept apologizing a lot, you know, like, or I would have a severe anxiety if I wanted to confront him about an issue. And it was those early days of dating that we honestly, I feel like we went through our first year of marriage because mm-hmm. he had to deal with those immediate effects. And, um, and he dealt with them like uh, a champ. I mean, he was like, all right, let's just, we're going to sit and talk about it. I want you to be as honest and raw as possible. And I was, and he just invited me into a vulnerable place that still felt very safe and protected. Um, we went to church together, which my ex and I had never done. And so it was just very freeing. And he was very, very patient with me. Now I definitely still have those little things that creep in every now and then, but not as often because of the throne room and because I have that foundation. And like I said earlier, the closer I am to the Lord, the more solid I feel, the farther away, the more those little, like those lies really start to creep in. But I I just feel like the Lord paired me with the person that would be so patient with me mm-hmm. as opposed to the person who told me to get out of the car in the middle of a highway because mm-hmm. he was annoyed Lovely. with me, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, and it is, it is 
such an interesting thing to be able to compare, isn't it? Like Mm -hmm. now that you're in a healthy relationship and you see what health looks like to look back and say, I mean, I had a very, I laugh because I'm like, wait, I remember one night when my boyfriend was literally pulled and just stopped in the middle of the road. We had been drinking, which was not a good experience or good good decision making at all. But he stopped in the middle of the road and told me to get out. So I did. And I literally like almost rolled out of the car because he was still moving. And I was stuck in an Ugh. apartment complex, like trying to find a way home. It was so – but for me, like we ended up probably getting back together the next day or two days later because that was just our usual. It was so yeah. normal to fight until we were screaming and to get aggressive. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, <laughs> Jesse even – raises his tone one decibel. I'm like, what? What's going on? We need to sit down. This is yeah. so bizarre because yeah. – and not that we don't get frustrated, but we just respect one another and there was no totally. respect in past relationships. But I want to yeah. speak to that because when you're in it, you don't see how unhealthy it is. And part of your book is exactly. raising your standards, right? So as I see yeah. TikTok after TikTok of like – yeah, he did this or he's liking this girl's photos or he's following oh all gosh. these Instagram models who are half dressed or he's yelling at me and dis- and you know turning his location off and I'm giving all these examples because I think they're important where they're turning off their yep. location or they're they have really really close girlfriends that they go spend alone time with. All of these things that we our society I believe has begun to justify more and more as just male behavior, right? Or and, I mean even yep. female behavior because yes. I did these things too. So what does it look like to raise your standards and how do you do that when all you're used to is toxic or unhealthy behavior in a dating relationship? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I agree. I think girls can totally be boo-boo too. I only wrote this book because (laughs) it's my perspective. I haven't, I know I've all, that is just, this story is the main thing, although I do pepper in some other stories as well, but The number one thing that I always coach people, especially young women to do is create a don't settle strategy. And what that looks like is what are some behaviors of your ideal relationship that you want to do yourself and that you want the other person to have? Um, Meaning stuff like exactly what you're talking about, leaving your location on, um, communicating their plan for the day or what it looks like, what setting up expectations for communication for um, every area of the relationship, right? And creating this don't settle strategy where it's written down and shared with people who are safe to you. That way those people can say, hey, I know that this is really important to you, but that's not really matching what he's doing. So what can we do to help support you in a decision that you're probably going to have to make? (laughs) You know, like that's that's why that's why I want other people to also read the book who aren't single because, you know, you still have to walk your single friends or friends who are just going through an identity crisis through these hard things. And these principles can really be applied to anything, but think about that. Don't settle strategy, write it down and share it with other people. It's so important for other people who are safe to be holders of this, this template or this list or whatever it looks like right? So they can then come alongside you. It doesn't have to be this intervention. You know, the reason that I titled this book, Don't Date a Boo Dude, is because it's a silly title with serious content. Whenever I walk girls through these relationships or walking alongside them and they're like, oh, he did this and this and this. I'm like, 
girl, you know that's boo boo. Like you, <laughs> you know that's come on. But I give the give people credit. Like the people who are stuck in it. I wish somebody would have given me more credit and been like, girl, what are you doing? You know the, the, the why are you doing that? And I wish they just would have been light about it and just been like, okay, I'm gonna walk. We're gonna I'm gonna be here no matter what happens, no matter what decision you make. But you know better than that. And yeah. that's why I titled this book something really light because it's a light way to have a heavy conversation. And it can I can then go and say, hey, you shared this list with me. I love you so much. I'm not going to let you veer off of it. Okay, so let's go. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's the number one thing. First of all, I think that's so brilliant. Marketing mind, I just appreciate that very much. <laughs> and I, I also think that you're right. And sometimes we're, we're so afraid to tell people how to live, right? It's like, oh, make your own choices, yeah. do your own thing, live freely. But that isn't friendship. The verse, Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. That the mm-hmm. wounds of a friend, somebody who's willing to faithfully call you on the carpet or call you up towards something better, that is a real yeah. friend. And when we are mentoring somebody or when we're just walking alongside of somebody in life, whether they know Jesus or not, the true friendship or true friendship stems from the ability to be honest and vulnerable with one another. And sometimes that means jokingly being like, hey, what is going on? Like what what decisions are you making? This is – you know this isn't okay. And sometimes it's yeah. like, hey, this is very concerning this is something that is really unhealthy. And I can guarantee there are some women listening to this right now or men who are in a relationship where they know this is not what they deserve. This is not what God has for them. And I just encourage anybody who's listening who feels that way to listen to that and respond in obedience to say, okay, God, you've never failed me before. Why are you going to fail me now? That Yes, I may love this person and care for them, but they are not somebody who I want to raise my babies. They are not somebody who I want to be my therapist for the next 80 years because that's what a spouse is. They're someone who listens to your issues and navigates those things. Somebody who tells you the truth and and takes you to church even when you don't want to go or encourages you to call your parents. Like It's somebody who loves you and wants you to be the best version of yourself, not somebody who drags you down into the worst version of yourself to where you feel empty and lost and broken and confused. That isn't love or and that's not what God has intended for a relationship. And so it's that faithfulness of a friend that I think is so yeah. profound. And it's what you're calling people to, Ainsley. And I just respect and love that so much. And so I would just ask you for people who may be engaged dating and they're like, okay, I think this is good, but maybe it's not good. What are some red flags that you warn against in any kind of relationship? Yeah. Oh my gosh. If you do not feel heard. Like if you feel like you're afraid to share your opinion or share your heart about something, that is a huge red flag because the rest of your life, you're going to be afraid and it's going to chip away at you slowly and slowly and slowly. The The location thing you mentioned early, earlier, I think is actually really big. If you're already getting those like spidey senses of something being <laughs> off, go, go forward. And yeah, it's not the act of being controlling, right? Can you talk about that? Like if somebody's like, I'm not going to track my spouse? Why, why is the location issue an issue? Oh yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think that like the dating phase, it's not necessary to have each other's locations because then if something 
if you break up, then it's kind of messy. But whenever you're married, it is 100% not a control thing. I think it's more of a communication thing. Like, hey, you know, I can see, and this is so simple, but it's so like, it just works in everyday life. It's like, I can see Justin's still at work. I need to make dinner now. So then it's ready for him to come home or, you know, it's just kind of little stuff like that. Or he's at, he's travel, he travels for work a ton. Well, if something goes wrong, I need to know where he is. I need to just be able to find him. One time he left for work and I broke my foot. Like as soon as he landed in his next city, well, I needed to see, was he on the ground so I could actually get in touch with him or was he still in the air? It, it's just, um, I don't it's like think an that awareness it's, thing. Yeah, it's an awareness thing. It's a communication thing. It's not a control thing by any stretch of the imagination. Control would look like, hey, this is when you can talk to your parents, or this is when you can talk to your friends, or this is what you can and cannot wear, which is what I experienced in that relationship in the, in, with my ex was just all these rules. But you'll also well, know if you feel ruled or like respected. Yes. And those well, are and the it's, two There's accountability in it too, where you're like, yeah. okay, hey, there's there's accountability that I know something's happening because temptation arises, right? We're not – Jesus yeah. was tempted. We're not sinful for being tempted to be like, oh, what if I did go out for the night, you know? Or what if I did – you know, those yeah. things may cross our minds. We're human and we struggle with our flesh. And so having that accountability to be like, well – nope, that isn't an option. And here's why it's not an option. And here's why it would be a really bad idea. And it just helps you, I think, to process and to honor Jesus even more because accountability matters. Accountability is important. So I fully agree with you. Absolutely. Whenever I was in college and in this relationship, the accountability of my friends was missing. And I think I'm not blaming my friends for not having the tools to help me out of that, but I'm just saying that this is what this book is. I actually, so after that relationship ended, my friend, my roommate and I, who she was hit the hardest, you know, she got the most of the debris from the fallout. We lost touch. We stopped talking. That was like disastrous for our relationship was my relationship with him. Well, I mean, I don't know how long this was, maybe seven years later, I was writing this book and I'm like, I need to talk to Taylor. Like I have to talk to her about her perspective Mm -hmm. because like you said, I was in it and I couldn't see it, but she could see it and we never talked about it. So I literally call her and I'm like, hi, can we talk? (laughs) And she, I drove 11 hours to go visit her. She welcomed me with open arms. We sat at her kitchen table and there was so much healing in that conversation, but there was so much that she helped me figure out like, what could she have done? What could she have said? What did she know that I told her and that I kept from her that she saw? And that kind of stuff is in the book too. As a friend, what do you need to look for? You need to pay attention to those isolations. You need to pay attention when your roommate doesn't come home or your friend suddenly stops talking. Oh, this was the other thing I was going to say about accountability. I walk a girl who I was mentoring. She was dating a boo-boo dude for three years. Okay. This friendship is the long haul. Okay. Mm-hmm. This, if you, if your friend is, if you, even if you're trying to speak truth over them, I spoke truth over her for three years. 
She has to make the decision on her own, but she needs a safe place to land once she makes that decision. Now, I do have a strategy in the book about if they're not making this decision and, you know, things are progressing, they're talking about marriage. I have a strategy for that as well. That's all laid out in there. But it's a long haul thing. And whenever I talk to that girl now, she's like, can you believe that it took me so long? I'm like, girl, I know. I know you gave me so much great hair. (laughs) I was there. So much great hair. (laughs) I was in the car with you co-authoring those text messages. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I remember those days. Oh my gosh. Well, and that's the truth though. People not to be discouraged. Yeah. Yeah. Because it can be. I remember I think of a friend that, oh my gosh, the, when I think of an unhealthy relationship, like the manipulation Mm -hmm. that went on. I've never, I've never to this day experienced anything like it. And he was like a young kid and I don't know how he got those tactics, but he learned them from somewhere and he would just gaslight her to no end and make her feel crazy and make her feel like she was in the wrong, but he would destroy her. And it was years, years of Mm -hmm. like, okay, we've got to do something like this. You see this, you are watching it happen to you. But you're right that there is a point where – I think there's a point where you – and tell me if you agree with this, but where you have to step away a little bit because you see yourself becoming angry at the person who continues putting themselves in that situation and just – you don't want to enable and just keep co-authoring those texts to a point where it's like, holy cow, I can't keep being a part of this because it's even unhealthy for me. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Absolutely. If it starts to feel like you're the third person in the relationship, you need to get out. <laughs> like you yeah, need to yes. not get out, but you need to draw a boundary. And yeah. that boundary for me, it was a little bit easier to set because it was a mentor mentee kind of thing. Whereas like friendship is a little bit harder, sure. but, yeah. but I do think that you can still be there for your friend, but you can say like, Hey, this is even affecting my life. Mm-hmm. I I'm here, but I can't, help write words for you anymore. Or I can't help like be a communication conduit. I need to Mm -hmm. focus on myself and I hope you will come along the journey with me, right? Because if you can invite that friend to see healthy relationships in your life, that will further help illuminate that for them too. Mm, So good. Okay. In closing, Ainsley, I would like to ask, what would you say to somebody who is feeling stuck in this place where they're in a relationship, they really feel they love this person, but they know how unhealthy it can be. What would your words of encouragement be to them in pursuing Jesus, getting to know the heart of Jesus, and also navigating the difficulty of letting go of something that they feel like they love? Yeah. I think that what you said about getting to know Jesus and establishing that part is going to be key to the rest. You know, go into the throne room or just ask the Lord, hey, can I reintroduce myself to you? And imagine yourself sticking out your hands and saying, hey, I'm so-and-so. And just listen to what he does. Look at what he what he does and listen to what he says, because I guarantee that he is ready and willing to rewrite the name the name on that name tag that is too sticky for you to peel off by yourself. And I guarantee that he's like, yeah, you're not Ainsley, you're chosen, you're treasured, you're valued. And he will make you feel that way. And I think it makes it a little bit easier to step away whenever you're like, oh, 
but that relationship doesn't make me feel that way. It actually makes me feel the opposite. And the closer you are to the Lord and the closer you are to that identity that is so solid and that wild confidence, then you will be able to get your safe people and walk away together. And whether that means blocking a number, changing, changing your number, doing, you know, there's all these other things that, um, that you can do if need be, but just to even get the strength to walk away, I think it's important to understand, have you been putting your, your worth in the hands of the unworthy? And is it time to put your worth in the Lord's hands? And that's just asking questions ask questions to the Lord, ask questions to the people at at church, ask questions to anyone that you can think of that might have a little bit of foundation. Email me, DM me, DM or email Lindsay. Like we, Mm -hmm. I, I know that Lindsay, that you have a shared heart with me in this. I think that's why we feel like kindred spirits is I'm Mm -hmm. like, Oh, you're on the front lines with me. Like you and I are very much linking arms and in this together fight of having women renew their relationship with the Lord and renew their identity so that their marriages will thrive. I truly think this is the only reason my marriage is thriving. I truly think Mm -hmm. that is that I did this work by myself. So whatever your marriage looks like in the future, you're creating that a a portion of it right now. You're creating your, that a portion of the health level right now. So just think of it that way too. I loved what you mentioned earlier that it's so important to have those self-expectations because that really is it that Mm -hmm. whether you're in a marriage or you're pursuing it or you're engaged, that the healthiest, in my opinion, the healthiest way to walk into a marriage is to have more expectations of yourself as a spouse than you have of your future spouse. Because when you're willing to, and this is again, the foundation of my entire ministry, but when you're willing to be self-aware and you're willing to look inward and say, where can I grow? Where can I strengthen my relationship with Jesus? I'm not holding my husband's hand walking into the gates of heaven. This is me and Jesus. This is between us. So when he fails you in leading you spiritually, which he will, when he fails in parenting his kids, because he will, all of these things, you're not going to Mm -hmm. say, how dare you? Our house is crumbling. You're going to be standing on such Mm -hmm. a firm foundation of your own relationship with God, your own expectations of yourself in in willingness to grow and willingness to be better, that mm-hmm. you're always self-evaluating and taking that responsibility on yourself. And in that, you become a team with your partner because yes. you're not shifting blame constantly and pointing fingers. You're instead coming together as a team against the problem versus viewing one another as the problem. So I love that you lean into that in Don't Date a Boo-Boo Dude. So I would just love to hear as we close, because I could literally talk to you forever and I'm just going (laughs) to drive to Louisiana to come see you. (laughs) Um, I know. We really, really have to hang out in real life. (laughs) We'll figure it out. It would be so fun. But in closing, can you just tell your audience where they can find you, tell our audience where they can find you and um, where they can find your books and your podcast? You are just the best. I really do feel like we are just like so – in sync. Wild Confidence. Um, I primarily promote it on Apple and Spotify, but I'm sure it's anywhere. You know, you can listen to podcasts. Don't Date a Boo Boo Dude is anywhere books are sold online and in a few bookstores, but hang out on Amazon. It'll go down in price. It does that all the time. Um, my website is ainsleybritton.com and my Instagram is at ainsleyb and that's me. 
And I will, I'll link everything in show notes. And if you guys enjoyed this conversation, which I just enjoy Ainsley so much and her wisdom and her spirit, be sure to share it and just let us know what you gleaned from the conversation. Tag Mm -hmm. us so that we can see your feedback because we always love seeing feedback. And as always, this is a podcast where we promote women, we promote growth and the ability to see more clearly, the ability to encourage others and in purchasing Ainsley's book and in promoting, you know, the the health of relationships, the more that we're able to see God's work done. So I encourage you to support her in that, to purchase the book, to purchase the book for a friend and to not only support her, but to see the gospel shared more widely. So we love you guys. We're so thankful for you and we will talk to you next time. Bye.